broadcasting live from the RNR studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. Got a chance while I was on vacation of all places um, in Rio de Janeiro to talk to uh, Raiders head coach Josh McDaniels on the day that Derek Carr signed uh, the new contract. Uh, uh, Josh was super excited, fired up, um, you know, about uh, getting Derek Carr uh, into the fold. You know, you got to keep in mind that the Patriots tried to trade for Derek Carr last year. Um so when Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler come over here to the Raiders uh, to take over, th- their quarterback was in place. And I never felt like that wasn't going to be the case. Uh, it just was a matter of, you know, the Raiders and, and Derek kind of finding that sweet spot, so to speak, uh, which they did. And if you look at the contract, um, it's it's definitely team-friendly, but it will also get Derek the money that he deserves. And I had been reporting for a while that when you see it all finalized and everything, it's going to look basically like a four-year deal for about a hundred and some million dollars, uh, average out to about $35 million when you add in what he was making this year with about $65 million in true guarantees. And uh, the he, I think it's guaranteed $45 million after the, th- the third day after next this season's Super Bowl. So, He's going to be here. Uh, it lines up with Devontae Adams' contract, uh, which is essentially also a three-year contract. Yes, when you look at, um, and as, as, as Q pointed out on a, on a tweet today, um, you know, with his number jumping up, I want to say to $30 million next year, uh, that's, that's an area where you could probably expect some sort of a, um, you know, uh, restructuring of that deal, throw a little signing bonus in there to flatten out or even out what he's going to make next year under the salary cap. So there's a lot of ways to work this, um, and the Raiders are being creative in how they go about it. And one thing, when you we've talked about this, when you look at who is now in charge of the Raiders and kind of the blueprint that they played off of, um, you know, when, when uh, they were in New England, Look at Tom Brady and look at the contracts that he played for and look how different they were compared to some of his peers in the league. And Tom Brady did that because, well, number one, he had a wife, a wife that was making more money than he was probably, a, uh, you know, a, a model, a world-renowned model. Uh, so he, didn't, he wasn't pressed for money and not, neither is Derek Carr. Um, but – it made it a little bit easier for Tom Brady to say, okay, I'll take under market value if it helps us build and maintain uh, and and have feel be able to field successful teams. And I know, and we're going to talk to Vic Tafer. He wrote a great article in The uh, Athletic about this. I know that that's what drives Derek Carr. Um, he wants to win, and he understands, especially last year, getting some good players around him, getting a better defense, being able, as the Raiders did, to invest defensively, um, you know, having, especially early in the year, the type of weapons that he had and how it was playing out on the field and how much easier the game is when the people around you are just better. Got a taste of that and understands, like, look, if I have to take a little bit less and and structure a contract in a way that, helps this team be able to continue to keep guys like Hunter Renfro and Max Crosby, who they, they you know uh, extended earlier this year. 
and be able to go out and get a Chandler Jones and be able to trade for a Devontae Adams. That's only going to help me at this stage of my career do what I want to do, especially at this stage of, of his career, which is to win football games. Demond, did you need to say something? Oh, no, I didn't say anything, but I did have a question for yeah. you. When you saw the numbers come out for the contract, is that aligned with what you were hearing or expecting, or did that number catch you off guard? If you go back and look at my tweets, and I'll, 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 um, I'll, I'll, I'll show some to you, I said it's going to be four years. Uh, when you average it into what he's making now and just, you know, uh, it, it, the extension was going to be a uh, like a, a, a two two extra years to make it a, what did I say, a three-year, $100 million contract with about $65 million guaranteed. If you look at the structure of this contract, that's basically what it is. And when I say that those things don't, I don't just take those out of my ear or, you know, make them up. Like, I don't, I'm not good at any of that kind of stuff. You know, you have to rely on your sources. What does the market look like? What do you think the thinking is going to be? All those types of things. And so when you look at this contract, by year three, he will have made $65 million. When you add in the $25 million that he's going to make this year, and then there's a 40, I think it's $40 million uh, guarantee that kicks in three days after this season's Super Bowl. So um, three years... 40, 65 million dollars, and then you add the third year of the extension um, to make it a whatever he's going to make on the last year of that contract gets it over a hundred million dollars. So yeah, it was pretty much exactly what the numbers that I was hearing that it was going to be. Um, I wouldn't say right to the penny, but pretty darn close. And so you know. He 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 gets the security that he's looking for. He it allows the Raiders and Josh McDaniels. When I talked to him, um, you know, uh, on the phone the day that Derek Carr uh, signed, was very complimentary of Derek's willingness to do what he did in order to make sure that this ship is as fully stocked as possible, especially for these next three or so years. You have a core in place. And I'm going to add Hunter Renfro to that core because I believe that's how the Raiders view him. And from what I'm hearing, uh, something could happen with Hunter here fairly soon, sooner rather than later, let's put it that way, to keep him in the fold. And then when you look at the next three years of this team, you've got a still-in-his-prime quarterback. You've got Devontae Adams, arguably the best wide receiver in the NFL. You've got a top three, top I would say top three tight end in Darren Waller. You've got one of the best slot receivers in the NFL in Hunter Renfro. You've got a top 12 quarterback in Derek Carr. You've got one of the better left tackles who's also under contract and also under control in Colton Miller. You've got two of the best pass rushers in the NFL in Chandler Jones and Max Crosby. You've got a young cornerback in Nate Hobbs that I think is going to be one of the best defensive players in football. I truly believe that. I love what I see from Nate Hobbs. You've got two young cornerbacks that are a couple, three young cornerbacks uh, that are going to be playing this year for their futures, and you're probably going to get the best out of uh, guys like Rock Yassin and, and Trayvon Mullen. You've got a cornerback in Trayvon Morig, who I think the future is truly bright for. So you have the pieces in place. Um, to really do something pretty big 
uh, here with the Raiders, especially over these next three years, especially if guys like Divine Diablo continues to get better, um, especially if some of these young offensive – well, you know, that's the big issue right here to me. Is the offensive line going to be able to hold up its end of the bargain? And what happens at right tackle? I think the draft is going to have a little bit to say about that. Um, but if the offensive line can just hold its water, basically, and I forget who he had on, uh, it might have been Greg Bedard from the Boston Sports Journal talking about the rate or the Patriots' offensive line lines over the years. It's not like the the Patriots really ever went huge and big with offensive line. They've they've hit on some some players. You know, later on in the draft, they develop some guys, what they do schematically. They feel like if you've got a prototype, if you've got a skill set, if, you've, if you uh, have the measurables that they're looking for, they could coach you up to be effective. So if what they know in terms of offensive line play and how to get it going and how to build an effective enough offensive line, if they can do that, and especially with a quarterback that gets the ball out as quickly as a Derek Carr does, and he does, with wide receivers that can get open like Hunter Renfro and Devontae Adam, and they do. And one of the spectacular matchup issues in the NFL in a guy by the name of Darren Waller who can line up anywhere and does. And then you also have a running back like Josh Jacobs and really a committee of running backs right now uh, and Kenyon Drake and everyone that they've brought in at that position, if that offensive line can just hold its water, it would be great if it could do more than that, and it's quite possible that they can. But this offense has a chance to be uh, every game in and game out, 30 points per game type of an offense. And if that is the case, which if they everyone stays healthy, and especially if that offensive line can be just okay, just, even just okay, uh, the Rams don't have the best offensive line in the NFL. They didn't need. They don't need the best offensive line in the NFL. They've got a great offensive mind, um, you know, coaching it. They've got skill players all over the place, and I would say that right now, I think the Raiders have better skill players than than the Rams. Yes, but also the Rams last season, when in that Super Bowl, had one of the most experienced left tackles. They did. In but the Colton game. Miller, Colton Miller is. I would say at this stage of their, I'd have to go look, but I'd say Colton Miller and, and Andrew Whitworth are pretty comparable players at this stage of their careers. Andrew obviously retired. I mean, he was, you know, we're talking about a 39-year-old, 40-year-old guy, but if but Colton Miller just plays the way he's played, that's definitely good enough. But it, when you look across the rest of the offensive line, the Rams' offensive line is better. There was no question that they were better. But it's not like they had the best offensive line. What I guess my what I'm trying to say is you don't need the best offensive line. You need a good offensive line. But when you have quarterbacks and skill players that can get open and a quarterback that can get the ball out quickly and a running game to support it, um, you can do things schematically up front and you can take pressure off of your offensive line, I guess is what I'm saying, especially quarterbacks that can get it out quickly the way Derek Carr can and to the kind of weapons that he has now around him. Now on the flip side, defensively, I think I think what we saw last year with how good the pass rush was 
And it wasn't the best in the NFL, but it was pretty darn good, man. When you're talking about Max Crosby and Unique Ngakwe, now you add Chandler Jones to Unique Ngakwe's position. That helps your secondary. So a young secondary that the that the Raiders have, and I know talking to Josh McDaniels, it's a young secondary. It's an extremely young cornerback room. And there is some uncertainty there, but there's also competitiveness. There's also talent. There's also skill. There's also depth now. There's also going to be a competition. Guys are going to be fighting for their futures. That's not a bad position to be in. Yes, do you want the solidified guy? Certainly. But those guys can become solidified. This is the time for them to declare themselves mainstays in the NFL. And they have that within their reach. Now they got to go out and get it. And you love sometimes to have those guys that are motivated to go out and get it. Sometimes you get the best years from players that are in that situation. And I think that what the Raiders are kind of counting on competition and motivation along with a skill level. There's no reason why Trayvon Mullen can't be a, uh, a viable mainstay type of a cornerback. He's got everything you look for, size, length. He's a smart He's athletic. He just needs to stay away from the injuries from last year. But if he does, he's he could be good enough, definitely. And then Iraq Yassin on the other side um, and some of the other guys that they brought in, um, along with a Nate Hobbs, who I think was just a sensational rookie last year. All the um, you know statistics show that. And then a Trayvon Morg, who um, was equally successful as a rookie. Divine Diablo getting better. Denzel Perryman's still there. Go ahead. Malcolm Kuntz. Malcolm Kuntz. Also someone that I expect to have a better season, mainly just because he'll get more reps this season. I would think that, I would think so, and I think we, we, we've talked about this on the show, and I did bring him, I did bring up Malcolm to, uh, to Josh McDaniels when, when we were in Florida, and he kind of laughed when I asked the question, and I didn't know if it was what kind of laugh it was, but it felt like a laugh like, hey, we got something in store for <laughs> oh, don't 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 let out the Malcolm Coons secret just yet, you know, because I think when you look at what Patrick Graham uh, kind of hangs his hat on and what the Patriots defenses have, have always done, and this is the lineage that we're talking about of this coaching staff. What do we always talk about, Demon? They find guys that can do things well. And then they what did what did our caller from Missouri say? Exploit profitability. I think what, what yeah, it was. Yeah, it was exploiting something. Exploit talent, like exploit. Like if Malcolm Kuntz can show that he can consistently get to the quarterback, I guarantee you, or just the ability to, which he does. He already showed that to me last year when he was on the field a minimal amount, but he got two or three sacks in those times. Like he, you can see, you're like, wow, oh, that's Malcolm Kutz down there making that sack right there. Like they need to get him a little bit more time. I think he's working himself into that uh, kind of a position where he's going to put pressure on the coaching staff. I think he kind of did this last year, but for whatever reason, they couldn't find more time to get him on the field. But, you know, with, with, with this coaching staff, and if he can show that and continue to build on what he showed last year, you're going to see Patrick Graham, uh, Graham say, you know what, we're going to have packages for Malcolm Kuntz. It might not be play in and play out, but it'll be like this type of situation, that type of situation, and feature him in ways to get him to the quarterback. Go ahead. Yeah, it uh, just made me think. We're talking about, oh, he gave you like a laugh about yeah. Malcolm Kuntz. Have you like, asked him a question yet about how involved he is coaching-wise with the defensive side of the ball? No, I have not. Because that's I'm curious to that is he just hands off completely like he's the he's the court he's the next excuse me he's the head coach of the defense and I just stay out of the way, 
Or I wonder what like how involved he is I think with the defensive side of the it's, ball. It's a great question, and you know we'll we'll, we'll get a better sense of that um, when we see them out on the practice field. I think he's going to definitely be the um, the CEO of the team, but I think he's going to be the um, you know just the, the the head dude of the offense. You know, and and I think it'll be kind of like a uh, McVay type of situation. Or um, you know the the 49ers kind of a coach where they run the offense, but they you think of like the 49ers defensive coordinators and even the even the Rams, uh, their Staley is now the Chargers head coach. You 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 hire somebody that you understand and believe and have full confidence in. You're running that side of the ball. Check with me, <laughs> check with me. You know we'll we'll always go over the game plans, but uh, it, put it this way: it's Bill Belichick in reverse. Belichick is the heart and soul of the Patriots' defense, right? Um, although he's done a great job grooming good young defensive coordinators, um, but he had Josh McDaniels was he ran the offense, and obviously he checked with with uh, with with Belichick on certain things, but he was he ran the offense. So how much? Of a say, well, to, like, because to be honest, that that reverse does nothing for me because it's, if if it's like a fourth down decision, Belichick and Ivy say, "Hey, I don't want to go for it," and then like McDaniel's mm-hmm. would have to follow his lead. But I'm right, saying, right. so what is more of an example? I know for people who don't want to hear about the Rams, but they are the defending champs, and this is a good archetype yeah. for what you're talking about. So what would Sean McVay's like? How would he handle the defense? He'd go over there and say, what's up? Like, you know, <laughs> and I'm like, there. I don't know. He would go. Okay, uh, I would always watch him in practice, like where he went. Like I follow the head coach and see who they go talk to. All right. And, um, and he's definitely grown some because when he first got there, I'll put, I'll put it to you this way. When he first got to the Rams during, when, when the offense wasn't on the field, a lot of times he was over with the offense, talking to the offense on the bench as they were getting their rest. And Wade Phillips was taking care of the defense. Um, it's not as he, as the years have gone on. It's gotten less and less of that, where he's more the head coach. Even when the and defense now he's is out working there. from home at least two days a week. So he, uh, he's not there at all. Who's that? Sean McVay. Why? What happened? Oh, he works from home some days. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. That was something that got uncovered in the owners' meetings, and I just thought it was funny. It's probably I'm it was sure one of those like, ah, how do you how do you hear about that? But it's like <laughs> I'm sure he's not happy. That's yeah, that's that's probably not uh, what you want what what you want to get out. But I, I think that it'll be like what John Gruden was to the Raiders' defense. You know, it was Gus Bradley's show basically last year, and um, but I think he'll he'll go check in, and I think it's important that you do do that because players pick that up like, hey, man, my head coach hasn't come on come over here to say hi, not even one time. So you have to. You have to, you know, get over there, especially with your lead. Everybody, really, you know, uh, during early outs, during, you know, uh, um, you know, stretching and exercise, all that stuff that you do pre-practice. You got to get over there, meetings, things like that. But the reality is Patrick Graham is going to run the defense and Josh McDaniels is going to run the team, but also be really the head coach of that that offense. Uh, And I think it's so complex nowadays that you have to be able to have that trust in your defensive coordinator that he's taking care of that. I'll take care of the offense, and um, and and that's probably the best use of your resources. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bolivar, Raider Nation Radio, 9:20 a.m. on a Tuesday. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at six nine one eight seven or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio nine twenty a.m. 
doing some in the break reading of Vic Tafer's great article in The Athletic, kind of breaking down why he thinks uh, Derek Carr um, signed the contract that he signed. Uh, and as people that were that understand contracts were pointing out to me, all day the day that Derek Carr um, signed it was you're looking at if all thing everything works out a hundred million dollars for for the for, over the first three years of the contract. All right, when you look at it from that perspective, which he's gonna get, there's no way the Raiders are gonna cut him after next year. And even if they do, which they won't, then he'll be a free agent. And if he wants to go sign someplace else, there'll be many teams that are lined up to get Derek Carr. I can assure you of that. There's teams that would trade for Derek Carr right now, let alone if he's on the open market. Uh, pursue him. He's well-liked around the NFL. Um, but he's going to stay with the Raiders, just mark my word when I say that. So uh, if you look at the the structure of the deal and the various guarantees that are in place and get triggered, uh, by the end of 2023, um, he will have made a hundred, by the end, yeah, a uh, hundred million dollars for the first three years of the contract. Josh Allen didn't didn't get $100 million over the first three years of his new contract. Um, Patrick Mahomes didn't get $100 million over the first three years of his contract. And people were pointing this out to me, um, that, that, that no contracts and that no um, what the situation was and how to read contracts and how to read into the little subtleties of all that. While some people, pro football talk, uh, Mike Florio, who kind of backed up, what he said, you know, the, if you read the fine print, the Raiders can get rid of Derek Carr after you. Yeah, they, if you read the fine print, yes. But if you think that Derek Carr is signing that kind of a contract without some assurances, without the faith and confidence, um, you know, from the Raiders that, hey, uh, trust us on this. We're working together on this. There's a partnership going on. All right. Um, you 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 do that deal because you know the truth. You know what's how it's all going to play out because you have a confidence and a trust factor um, with the decision makers in place. That's how things like this happen. You know they're telling Derek Carr, look, the way to build and maintain around our quarterback, you, uh, is to be able to have the flexibility under the cap to be able to do that. And so here's how we have to structure it in a way that allows us that flexibility, enables that flexibility. Um, but look me in the eye. You know where I'm coming from. I know where you, you're coming from. There's a trust factor. I think these days sometimes we uh, take that for – not that we take that for granted. We're so skeptical sometimes or so looking for the negative – that we kind of overlook sometimes the positive. When you look at a deal like this, and I know this because I talk to people, I guess, there's a, a, a good feeling. There's a, okay, we're all in this together. Let's do what we got to do to help each other and create the best situation for all of us. And you don't do that if you're Derek Carr without knowing what's really going on here, okay? And... The only way you get to that point is by developing a relationship, is by developing trust. What did Josh McDaniels talk about so much? It was he, he, every time that I've talked to him about players, and, uh, and it's not been a lot. I can't sit here and say that it's been a bunch of times, but it's been enough times where 
it was always let's build the relationship, the personal relationship first, because the football will take care of itself. It was said so many times, um, you know, regarding so many different players that you understood that he understood the importance of that part of it first. Everything else will take care of itself. The X's and O's, the football, all that. It's, It's football. You develop the trust first and the relationship first, and then everything will follow suit. So when Derek Carr told me at his church uh, event a month and a half ago, two months ago or so, that, hey, we're in the process of building a relationship. We're getting that taken care of. We're getting to know each other and developing that trust, developing that relationship. Dave Ziegler, Josh McDaniels, the new coaching staff, getting that put into place. When you get that put into place and when there's a trust factor that's developed, contracts like this can happen because you know what you know. And I'll also say this, you know, people were comparing this contract to um, some of the other contracts that, that came down the pike recently. And the difference is this is Derek Carr's second big deal. Remember, he was the highest paid quarterback for a minute or two, whatever, but he was. Five years ago, he signed the richest contract in quarterback history. It was surpassed probably many times over, but this is his second contract. And when you look at it this way, like there aren't that many quarterbacks. I think, I think, um, I don't think, Aaron Rodgers is literally the only quarterback that has signed three contracts with his, like big contracts. The first contract, the second big one, and then this, 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 this latest one. With the same team, with his the team that drafted him. Derek Carr is kind of an exclusive company when it comes to that. And by the end of by the time he's 33, 34 years old, he's gonna make a quarter of a million dollars. So if that's taking a hometown discount, that's how you play that. And that's what exactly what, what he's done. And I think that by the end of this deal, he'll have earned and made every penny that's uh, written down on that. And we're gonna go out to the Raider Nation. Uh, guest line and welcome in a good friend of mine from The Athletic and we are all colleagues yes we compete it's all about competition sometimes but at the end of the day we're also uh, friends most of us anyway I know Vic Tafour from The Athletic is my friend and I consider him to consider me a friend as well Vic Tafford thank you so much for joining us in the huddle how you doing my friend good man how you doing I'm doing good, and we are. I just got off vacation, so uh, kind of revisiting the Derek Carr uh, contract. And uh, you wrote uh, an excellent piece in the Athletic about, you know, why you think Derek Carr would sign a deal structured the way this deal was structured. And I guess first and foremost, um, if you could kind of sum up real quick why you think that he did, because I guess on the on the on the outside looking in and on the surface, people will look at that and say, "Wow, he's not making as much as." You know X, Y, and Z. Why would why would he do that at this stage of his career? Yeah, I just think he has something to prove. I think you look at especially after the uh, the Sean Watson contract, where it was all guaranteed. I think that kind of deal shows you he was definitely committed to being back here. And obviously, his buddy came over, Devontae Adams, wanted to play with him. But uh, to me, the Raiders got a great great deal. I think that he had a lot of leverage, which he gave away, and uh, good for him. He knew who he wanted to be. I think he knows what his plan is. So uh, hopefully, it all works out. Do you think, as I suspect, that there there is an understanding in that building and with the quarterback um, that we're not going to turn around and cut you after next year and uh, make you look silly here? There's a plan in place. I think there's a bit of a partnership going on. Do you think that that's the case here? 
I guess so, but I mean, I also have to ask yourself, why is there that three-day out there? They have a three-day out after the Super Bowl, where they can cut them. I think they're off the hook for most of the, I think it's like five million left of a deal besides that. But, um, so yeah, obviously there's an understanding that they, they want to work together. They think they're going to be together for a while, but they're still an out. So if they don't make the playoffs next year, then who knows what happens? I know that's a, a doomsday uh, answer, but obviously the best-case scenario is he plays well and make the playoffs, and he goes on to the next year and gets, uh, what, $69 million guaranteed. So uh, I'm sure that was that's the way it'll work out, but there is definitely an out there. Yeah, I've thought about that as, as well. I just feel like three days after the Super Bowl um... – that's a lot. That's pretty hasty to make a decision. Where we're moving on from our quarterback, so I don't. You know, I, I don't know if that's enough time to make that kind of a decision to, to walk away from him. I think it's more likely that they say, you know, the the, the guarantees kick in, uh, and then they move happily uh, ever after uh, d- down the road. But uh, you know, getting back, and we're talking to Vic Tafer from uh, the Athletic. What if you're Derek Carr right now? Um, I feel like there's sincerity that. He's at a stage of his career, second big contract. Um, he wants to win right now, and he understands, I think, that part of winning also means having good players around him. We saw last year when they put some really good players around him uh, how good this team could possibly be and how good he was playing. How much do you think that was the motivation, too, just being able to leave room under the cap in order for the team to maintain around him? Yeah, I think definitely he feels like he uh, he wants to win here. He's been committed all along, even there when eight years or some bad years, wants to see the reward, wants to win a Super Bowl, he said. So I definitely agree with that. He definitely wanted to come back. And I think Derek's in a good place in his life. I he's very, you know, he preaches in the offseason. He's got a huge you know, golf swing. I just think, like, his plan for it, his life is not defined by football, so I think he wants to win. But if he has to walk away in a couple of years, I think he's fine with that. He's made $110 million already, so he's mentioned how the money wasn't, you know, a huge issue for him, which – is reasonable, so I think it's a very reasonable, very optimistic, very, uh, very faithful, uh, you know, play on his part to come back and with, with his contract. Vic, you've covered this team a long time, and um, I remember kind of following it from afar when John Gruden took over, and the assumption nationally and even from where I stood, I guess, was, oh, okay, um, yeah, John Gruden is going to go get his own quarterback, and uh, Derek Carr is going to get traded at the earliest possible uh, moment, but not only is he still here, he just signed another contract um, that probably puts him here for the next three or four years. You covering the team as long as you have, did you think it was going to get to this point, or did you feel like somewhere along the line, John Gruden um, or whoever else took over for him uh, would have moved on from Derek Carr? How surprised are you that we've gotten to this point? Yeah, I was probably a skeptical at first because you know, John definitely shown where he can change his mind. He's a very emotional guy. Definitely gets tired of guys pretty quickly. So I think he himself probably was a little skeptical of Derek Carr the first year. Not sure what the upside was and you know, how good he could be. But I think Derek got better every year on under Gruden. I think he, like, he he lives to please his coaches. He definitely has all the skills you want. He's got a great arm, very smart guy, can read defenses. So I think all the all tools are there. He got more aggressive on under John as far as throwing the ball deep and also making plays with, with, with his feet. So I think John liked him more and more every year. I'm sure that would be the case with the Daniels. I think the Daniels will find that he's an ideal quarterback that he has to be a coach for. Vic, I know we haven't uh, seen a practice yet, let alone a game. Uh, we haven't seen an OTA. We haven't seen anything. Um, we've talked to Josh McDaniels. We've talked to Z- Dave Ziegler. Uh, what are your impressions uh, thus far of the new Raiders' leadership? Yeah, I'm impressed. They made some, they made some bold moves. Definitely uh, the Adams move was a great move. I think they, they saw... 
some weakness there with the Packers. They, they seized the moment. And they uh, yeah, they give up two, two for, you know, the first, second round pick with low in each round. I think it's a great. Uh, the compensation's fine. Obviously, paying a lot of money, but really, it's only a three year deal. So you get probably the, the, the best receiver in the league. So I thought that was a great move. I think Keller Jones, the guy they know very well from the days in New England, they definitely he's a, probably a future Hall of Famer. So I think he's a better fit for them than a Gotter was. I thought it was a great year last year. So I think they've made some. Some really nice moves. I'm, I'm sure I'll do. I expect good moves in the draft as well. You've seen a lot of regimes uh, here in your time uh, covering the Raiders. Uh, does this feel different um, uh, than, than than regimes in the past? Uh, does it feel more hopeful if you're you know were to were to were to sit down with a, a Raider fan and say, hey, there's reason for hope here? Or you know, what are your thoughts so far in that in that uh, regard? I think for the first time you're seeing uh, you know, the money. I think the Vegas money now is going to come into play. Where in the past, Mark Davis was always a little cash strapped as far as what he could do. But obviously this year, you know, the Adams contract, the Jones trade, the, the car. I mean, the money, even the cash money is there. So I think you see the, the benefits of Vegas coming through. And I think now they can be bold and also afford to, to make those moves. And definitely if they're thinking big picture, they're thinking they have a window here for three years to win the whole thing. Wait, the whole thing? That just came out of Vic Tafer's uh, mouth, and I actually agree with him. I think there is an opportunity. Uh, obviously, things have to break uh, correctly. Uh, but you, you literally said that just as I was getting ready to ask, what is your forecast? I know that there's still a draft. I know that there's still m- other moves that, that need to be made or that will uh, be made. Uh, but if you were to forecast right now um, what the Raiders are capable of doing next year, let's just assume that you know key players stay healthy. That's always a dicey uh, proposition, but let's just assume that. W- what's the forecast from Vic Tafer for the Raiders? Yeah, it's me. They have to at least win a playoff game and, and go deep in the playoffs. I think last year they lost in the first round, and they fired the GM, and they fired the coach. So clearly that wasn't good enough. They've gotten Adams, Jones, and they've, they've picked uh, Derek. So I think now they got to think of Obviously, it's a tough division, but you got to at least want to play off game and build towards, I guess, winning the whole thing has to be the goal here in the next, next two or three years, or this whole thing really wasn't, really wasn't worth it. We're talking to Vic Tafer from uh, The Athletic, talking about Derek Carr's new contract, the forecast for uh, the Raiders. There's a couple of other players um, that are probably due pay raises. Uh, Hunter Renfro, I think, certainly uh, merits a, a new deal. And Darren Waller, uh, as we sit here on April 19th, is probably underpaid as one of the best tight ends uh, in the NFL. Uh, looking into your crystal ball, do you see new deals for both players? And um, if you were to say who gets one first, uh, what direction do you go in? Well, my guess is that Hunter gets one first because it'll be it'll be cheaper. It'll be you know, a smaller deal. I think it'll probably be easier to negotiate based on where he was drafted and based on his relationship with Derek Carr and he wants to be here. I think he's a guy looking to break the bank, but. I think, on the other hand, I think Darren Waller is probably a guy who I, I'm not sure I see them resigning him. I think he's a guy who I was a great player. He's got you know, tons of upside. He's already has huge monster years already. Now he has LeBron James' agent. I think they want some big things done at some point. So I can't imagine they can afford to pay, you know, Crosby, Adams, Jones, Carr, Renfro, and also Darren. Someone's got to go. You can't pay everybody. So I, I, my gut feeling right now is that Darren is, is the odd man out. When you say odd man out, um, what what kind of a timeline would you be uh, thinking along that uh, along those lines? Well, if I were them, I wouldn't. Obviously, uh, yeah, you have him on a great contract. He's a great, great player. The offense right now looks elite. So he, he's here this year. You got to maximize their assets and play him. But I think next year, you'd probably want a contract at some point. And 
you probably got to move it. Probably got to trade him next year. It is my really way early uh, guess, but that's my my guess feeling right now. All right, Vic. The draft is uh, nine days away. Uh, the Raiders have don't pick until the third round. Do you expect that that's going to remain the case? Um, you know, uh, uh, through the first couple of days of the draft, and if they do stick with that third, or, or you know, stick with where they are in the third round, what direction do you think that they take um, with that pick? Yeah, I'm not sure they have the assets to trade up. I know they, they talked about that being a possibility, but I'm not sure what players are attractive, but they don't have a lot of picks that can stockpile. I'm sure they don't want to move their future picks, so I think they're probably going to be there in the third round making the first pick. So my guess is they address the O-line or maybe the secondary. I think those are probably the two biggest needs right now as far as what needs to be done after all their, their big moves already. Vic Tafer, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Hopefully see you next week uh, when the draft uh, unfolds here in Las Vegas, uh, out in Henderson. Uh, appreciate the time, my friend. Thank you very much, and take care. All right, bud. See you Thursday. You got it. That was Vic Tafer from uh, The Athletic talking about Derek Carr, talking about the draft, talking about his impressions uh, of the new uh, regime in place in Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler. And I'm with him, uh, even in my short time, uh, three years now covering the Raiders, uh, I felt like the roster felt different. The locker room felt different, even though we weren't in there. We were around it um, last year. And I feel like the people that are in place, the leaders that are in place, just feels there's something about it um, that I think if you're a Raider fan, you should be excited about and uh, and happy about and really, honestly, confident in. I think there's some shrewd people that are running the ship right now, and I think that's going to – be expressed in how this team plays, not just this year, but moving forward. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador, Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM on a Tuesday. You're listening to Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Now, back to your host, Vinny Bonsignor. Shout out to Vic Tafer from The Athletic. Always a pleasure talking to Vic, who's been around a long time and seen it all. Yeah, I, the one um, the one pushback that I would say on that uh, the three days after um, the Super Bowl, you know, potentially cutting Derek Carr, it just doesn't make any sense because if you cut him, if you release him three days after the Super Bowl, which would negate the you know the big uh, you know sixty five million dollars or sixty million dollars in guarantees or whatever that is, forty million dollars, I should say. You don't get anything for him. Why would you? Why would you? You can't cut him at that point because then you're just cutting a top twelve quarterback for literally no compensation, and that just doesn't make any sense. I think if in the doomsday scenario, even if he plays, you know, really bad, which I don't expect, or whatever for whatever reason he hasn't proven to be your guy. You still pick it up, and then you trade him. <laughs> At least you'll have him under contract, and you'll be able to trade a very favorable contract uh, to some. None of which is happening, unless you know something catastrophic happens or something so unexpected happens. None of that is happening. He's going to be here, and he's going to get his money, and he's going to get a lot of money. It's just the way it's structured looks a little bit. Um, you know, well, they have an out after three days of the Super. They could just get rid of him. And da, 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 da. Well, why would you do that and leave yourself without a quarterback and without assets for that for getting rid of that quarterback? You don't do that. It's all timing, and it's all again 
all in the structure. And by the way, just talking to Josh McDaniels, he literally said to me, there's no what's behind curtain number two going on here. You know, there's an understanding that he's going to be a big part of what happens, especially over these next three years, which is what essentially this is all about. It puts the Raiders quarterback in place surrounded by a really good supporting cast, many of whom or the key parts of whom are here for the next two or three years. Now, what, you know, what, what, uh, Vic did say that was interesting was potentially moving on from, from Darren Waller because he can't pay everybody. There is something to be said about that and you have to, you know, be thinking along those terms, but, I don't know. When you look at um, like Devontae Adams' number next year and how uh, that's the potential to be able to go back in and restructure that to create some room under the cap, I, I think there's where there's a will, there's a way. And um, especially if, if this thing really goes in a good direction next year and everybody gets theirs and everybody gets their numbers and uh, the ball's flying around and guys are crossing the goal line and the red zone uh, has been fixed and this is a high-flying winning football team, I think you figure out a way to keep all those guys, um, the key parts, moving forward. But we'll see. Uh, we shall see. A other shout-out, by the way, to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. What a segue that was. Uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar wrote a brilliant um, editorial today, and it was about the show Winning Time. Uh, I think I've been on record saying that I had to scratch my head a little bit at uh, the direction that winning time took. Uh, I was there during the time that uh, is being depicted uh, in this show. It's obviously off of the um, great book by Jeff Perlman, and Jeff Perlman has been on our show um, about that era, the Magic Johnson, Jerry Buss, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar era showtime. But as Kareem pointed out uh, so eloquently in in his uh, opinion piece today, uh, I think it's on his Substack, just about how taking yes, there's there's something to be said about taking artistic, creative liberties to enhance a story, but you don't make it ridiculous. And in some cases, they've made it ridiculous. And I I pointed this out to you, um, you know, when it first started, Damon. I felt like it was lazy writing. There's so many good stories that were such great stories in and of themselves. You didn't need to go for the shtick to be able to um, dig in to a, a, a very complex person like Kareem, who in his article talked about, you know, the aloof, all those things. Well, he was also bad. He was a very, very, pri- not just private, but shy person. So sometimes that can come off in a certain way. Well, Vinny, they only got an hour, okay? You can only pack so much into an hour show. If you if you expand ten hours. Okay, ten yes. shows. Ten, That's that makes episodes. it even more like 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 if it was just an hour or even two hours. I get that. But you there's have only to. so much you can put in there. You can't like give everybody Lazy that's in, everybody writing. that's involved's life story. You don't you have want, to. If you wanted this to be like like Jerry West, they kind of like the first. They episode made him or two, look like a goofball, like a, like an angry drunk. But then if you just like, which he wasn't. Deep seated depression that he had, and you know, losing isn't as easy as people like to say it is. Yeah, 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 we get it, we get it. No, and then another another thing is too, where 
you know, Charles Barkley, you know, he had the I'm not a role model thing. I remember that. People say all the time, well, you, you shouldn't be looking for TV for history. Just because it's The Conjuring, I don't think that, hey, like, that ghosts are going to come out. <laughs> yeah, and but me. The Conjuring is they a say based on fiction. true events. Or not, but, yeah, no, but they say based on true events, though. <laughs> well, come on. Exactly. But this is literally, we are talking about people that are still alive. And as he brought up, he has a foundation. And he and there's, I don't know if you got to that part of it. Where, I mean, in this movie, they have him telling a little kid to go F off, basically. And he's like, I would never, Hilarious. ever do that. What's that? Hilarious. But it didn't happen. And people, and Damon and I had this um, conversation earlier today. Uh, I don't think that, I'm not sitting here assuming there's a lot of stupid people out there, okay? That's not what I'm doing, and neither is Kareem. Because you had said what? That in the fact that he has to say in his substack, the the viewer isn't smart enough, or however he phrased it, where they're not going to go do their own research, they're going to take what's on the TV screen as gospel. You're you're saying that hey, you don't think the viewers enough are smart enough to discern from, hey, this is this is obviously a work of fiction. Maybe Kareem didn't say to a kid on the set of airplane. F off. Okay. Or, Le- or excuse me, I was going to call him LeBron. Or Magic Johnson and Richard Pryor, who they have played by Mike Epps. Hilarious, by the way, that Richard Pryor isn't telling Magic Johnson, hey, man, there's cocaine in here. You want to come in this room? Okay. That probably didn't happen. Yeah, all right. But you're a smart, okay. Are, are, see, well, I don't know what your argument is. Are you saying that, that there aren't that, oh, dumb that people? people? Yeah, that people are just so dumb that they're just going to watch everything. You know what else that you have can go see? Have you ever been on Facebook? Have you ever seen the the the, yes, uh, but you wanna, the misinformation that people buy into just because they see it on Facebook? Yes, but have you also been on Google and you can Google say, hey, people have also asked this. So if you like put in Kareem's name, there will be like people are also asking, is this true from Winning Time or is this true? Some or people, people are. where they're watching these shows, they're going to go to Google and just say, oh. hey, I wonder if that happened. What really happened? Some people with, will. Um, Ab- with- absolutely. Some people. You will. You're an intelligent person, so you've probably done that. Okay. That's how you found out that people were doing that because you were asking that question. You went to Google. You took the time because you're an intelligent, um, diligent type of a person that wanted to get Wait a minute. That seemed a little bit odd. Did that really happen? And you went and Googled it, right? Yes, because some of the things were, it doesn't matter. Genie, Genie Bust, where I do think that, eh, I don't really care too much for that. But it makes more sense that, let's say, Pat Riley's character, how they move him from the booth to the, well, to that, the bench. That did happen. It, yes, but it makes more sense. But they moved it up a season early, didn't they? Uh, I believe so, yes. Yes, they move it up a season early because it just fits okay, yeah. the continuity-wise word. Right. Yes. But it's, where, but it doesn't, it's making, everything doesn't need to be the play-by-play. It doesn't. This happened it on July 14th. It definitely doesn't, and Kareem definitely pointed that out in the article. You can't, There are. You have to assume that there's going to be some, you know, to, to speed it up or whatever you, you say. But there, you can't just completely take somebody and distort them. And for every person that takes the time like you did to Google the truth, there's 10 other people that are just going to assume because they're watching it on TV it's the truth and that's the, that's the, that's it and we've we've seen it so much in politics and everything where people want to they just believe it and I'm not saying they're dumb or stupid I'm just saying that they're not they're just they're they didn't know they don't know any better so they're just going to assume that that's the truth and that's what they're going to roll with and that does a disservice to people like Kareem and and Jerry West and people like that um because these guys are alive, and their images are being kind of tainted, to be honest with you. want to say thanks to Vic Tafer. Uh, 
Heat and uh, all the insight that he always does. Thank you to Demond Cotton for the great job he does. Thank you to the listeners. I'm glad to be back. It's great to be back. Uh, we're back at it tomorrow, 4 to 6 p.m. in the huddle, brought to you by Tequila and Bajador Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. Until then, have a great night.